Hey there, and thanks for checking out episode 25 of the Eyes Free Sports Podcast. This is your host, Greg Lindbergh. On this episode, we are speaking about trail orienteering for the blind and visually impaired, which is a very new sport and uh, certainly a sport that's growing and something I personally would love to see uh, in the Paralympic Games someday and and just available not only nationally, but uh, internationally around the world. And I think the foundation for that is starting to be laid. So here we go with episode 25. Okay, so joining me on this episode of the Eyes Free Sports Podcast, we have two guests with us uh, to talk about trail orienteering for the blind and visually impaired. And first, I'd like to introduce Russ Meyer, who is the executive director of the Capital Region Nordic Alliance. Russ, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you very much, Greg. I look forward to uh, explaining with you and Megan Hale. Uh, this new initiative between CRNA and Microsoft Soundscape. Absolutely. Really excited about talking about this. And then uh, you also mentioned Megan Hale, who is also joining us here. Megan, welcome. Hi. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Appreciate you being here. I know you're quite an accomplished athlete in your own right and uh, also have a guide dog, so I have a lot of questions for you about uh, a lot of cool stuff. Sounds good. Awesome. Okay. So, Russ, I'll go ahead and start with you here. Uh, Talk to me about your background, and I'm curious how you got into this organization and uh, specifically working with individuals with disabilities. Okay, thank you. Uh, Well, uh, my background is in physical therapy uh, and um, also the Nordic sports. I lived in Syracuse, New York for 25 years, which is the snowiest uh, mid-sized city in the country. Mm. Uh, we have the, I guess, the privilege of living close to Lake Ontario. So we have a huge snowmaking, a natural snowmaking machine there. So in Syracuse, uh, as being as active I was, I got very much involved in the Nordic sports, cross country skiing, biathlon, snowshoeing, and constantly, uh, developing programming for those with disabilities to, uh, get out and be active in the uh, ten and a half months that uh, had snow in the in the uh, central New York area, lots of snow. So uh, in 2011, moving to Albany, New York, I got in. Um, I met a number of like-minded uh, individuals with and without disabilities who really looked at developing year-round programming in the Paralympic sports. And at the same time, I became active in World Paranordic Skiing, International Orienteering. Uh, for those with disabilities, which is a visual format of orienteering for those with disabilities, orienteering is nothing more than using a compass and a map to find controls in an unfamiliar environment. And for a number of years, we built up the sport of trail orienteering, which unlike regular orienteering, where you run through the woods very fast, very fleeting, and find one control at specific locations, those people with disabilities who can't do that all these stations and uh, formats are located very close to a trail. So those um, those with uh, amputees, those with um, uh, that are wheelchair bound, spinal cord injury, uh, neurologic involvement, they compete equally with the sighted population in the sport of trail orienteering. Two years ago, at the Disabled Sports USA Leadership Conference in Rochester, New York, I heard a brief presentation by Microsoft Soundscape. And it sounded 
just like trail orienteering, but obviously virtual controls were created with the te- with their technology that is placed on an Apple iPhone. And over the last two years, and even this last year at the Ski Spectacular at Breckenridge, Colorado, CRNA has worked with Microsoft Soundscape to really elevate the technology to develop a sport of orienteering where you're locating controls in an unfamiliar environment with a compass and a map using their technology on a Apple iPhone and Bose frames to get a 360 degree total experience in locating these controls in an unfamiliar environment. And so far, we're the only one that uh, is is in this endeavor and we're trying to spread the word trying to get more involved. And uh, I think what Megan will offer is some very different perspectives from athlete that will help us to, in fact, expand this. Absolutely. That's so exciting. Such a cool and unique sport and such a great initiative that you guys are doing to to grow this and and make this, you know, a true reality. We hope to, uh, through our continual beta testing and continued collaborations, uh, both domestically and internationally, we dream that one day it won't be unreasonable that what we're working on now may in fact be a summer Paralympic sport. Wow, that's so exciting. So Megan, I did want to ask you, as far as your visual impairment, talk to us about your background and uh, have you been visually impaired since birth? Yeah, so I have um, Lieber's congenital amaurosis or LCA. Uh, I was born with that and it's been with me ever, ever since. My, for a time I had, I was able to see large print and, you know, I I used a cane and then my freshman year of high school, I lost some vision. Um, I always knew I had a nystagmus, but I could never see it before. And my freshman year, I was able to see it and I couldn't read large print anymore and it really you know, it, it was hard for me, but it was also nice because that led me down the path of getting a guide dog. I see. Very interesting. And uh, I understand that you're currently a college student, correct? Yes. I am a, I am in my last year at Hudson Valley Community College pursuing a degree in physical education. Awesome. And I'm curious, as far as your career goals, what would you like to do career-wise? So career-wise, I would like to go into adapted physical education. Um, I'm planning to go to SUNY Brockport after Hudson Valley to get my master's in adapted physical education. That's great. I definitely wish you a lot of luck with that. Thank you. So let's uh, get into sports here. And uh, Megan, I'll, I'll you know go to you on this one first. And Russ, you can certainly chime in as we talk more and more about trail orienteering but uh, Megan, as far as your background in sports, when did you first get into sports and what kind of sports have you participated in? I've always been a sports fan. I liked participating in, you know, phys ed and everything, but a lot of the time, like most blind people, I, I sat on the sidelines or I went out in the out of the classroom and kicked the ball around with a classmate or a teacher or something like that. And I, you know, I thought that was normal, thought that was the life a blind person should live. I didn't 
I didn't want to go into dodgeball and get hit in the face with dodgeball. I was okay with leaving. <laughs> um, but, but then summer, I think it was summer before my eighth grade year, I, um, I found out Camp Abilities, which is a week-long overnight sports camp for kids and teens who are blind and deafblind. And this was in Maratoga, New York. Um, they have a lot of camps around the world and around the U.S., um, but this one was close to where I live, so I went there. And I was blown away by all the sports that they had. They had beat baseball, goalball, tandem biking, and, you know, I was amazed to see that the blind person could participate in sports. I thought, you know, you were supposed to sit on the sidelines. And, you know, when I went there, there were so many athletes that were campers, you know, and they were all like me. They all sat on the sidelines. They all thought that was normal. And, you know, camp opened all of our eyes to that. And we met coaches and we heard stories of all these people who are on the Paralympic team. They're on sports teams. And, you know, it was, it was very empowering. And uh, one of the sports that we were taught at camp was track and field. And I immediately fell in love with that. Um, I'm, I loved the throwing aspect of it and the, I did sprints. I'm not, I'm not really a distance runner. I'll do it. I don't really like doing it, but I'll do it. (laughs) Um, so I, I, I mostly liked shot put and discus because that's what they offered. And I liked it so much that when I got back to middle, my eighth grade year, I, um, I joined the high school level track team as an eighth grader and continued my track career, um, until my senior year of high school. And I, um, I stopped senior year because there's just way too much to try to fit everything in. And then, um, I started up again at Hudson Valley. Um, unfortunately, COVID hit, so I only got two weeks of track as a college athlete, but hopefully I'll get a spring semester in there, too. Right. Yeah, it's just crazy how we've all been affected in so many different ways by COVID. As far as your guide dog, I'm definitely curious. Talk to me about where your dog is from and, and how your dog... Uh from what I understand, really helps you in terms of your fitness and sports as well. So I got my guide dog, his name is Hero. He's a five-year-old yellow lab, and he is from Guiding Eyes for the Blind in Yorktown, New York. And he is one of their running guide dogs. Um, I got Hero because I was on, because I was doing track, and sometimes the throwers had to run. That's kind of funny, though, to have a thrower running because we're not made for running. (laughs) Um, So I was like, you know, I don't want to be a burden. I don't want people to feel that they have to, you know, protect me and run with me and, you know, hold my hand while running. And I'm like, this is this is ridiculous. I want to do it on my own and not feel like I'm bothering anyone. So I heard about the running guides program and I told guiding eyes I'm like I want to run practice with my dog and I just want I want to run with my dog and they're like okay we'll see what we can do and uh three years ago um I got I went to guiding eyes in August and it was my 16th birthday where 
when Guiding Eyes, a Guiding Eyes trainer knocked on my door and brought me my Lamborghini named Kiro. Wow, what a great uh, birthday gift. <laughs> oh, yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So I'm curious how, you know, how specifically does Hero benefit you in terms of, of running? And, you know, how do you really identify a good place to run? And if you could kind of just explain, elaborate a little more on that. With the track, I, I have a little bit of remaining vision, so... I can kind of see where the track is and everything, and he's done a pretty good job of, like, keeping me in my lane and stuff. Um, I'll ask somebody, you know, is there any hurdles on the track or anything so I'm aware. So as far as track goes, that's what he does, and I don't have to ask any athletes to walk, to walk, to run with me <laughs> or anything like that. And, um, and our Last year, around this time, our school college did a 5K to um, race to uh, for mental awareness, and um, we ran a 5K. And um, for something like this, we didn't really have much time to practice on the trail, so I ran with a guide, which most runners who run races usually run with a sighted guide just to let them know like okay there's this coming there's that just to make sure everyone's safe and so that's what she did when she ran with me she said okay there's a water container to your right there's a tree branch coming at your face and you know stuff that my dog might miss sure and it's it's just nice to be able to pick up the harness handle and just go you know, I I don't have to call anyone. I don't have to do anything. And mostly here when I do, we are running. So it's like, you know, we'll be walking up and down our road and like, you know, let's run back to the house or jog back. And he's like, okay. And <laughs> we, we jog back to the house. And, you know, it's nice to be able to do that and like not have to worry that I'm going to trip over something or just be able to be like everyone else. Yeah, that's so cool that your dog can give you, you know, so much independence, not only just, you know, what what guide dogs normally can do, but just the, the running aspect as well. I just, uh, you know, I applaud Guiding Eyes for having such an awesome program like that and really hope that continues to grow and, you know, blind and visually impaired people can get more and more opportunities uh, to, to be active through programs like that. I'm sure they will expand it. <laughs> Definitely. Yep. Okay. So, uh, Russ, going back to you, I'm curious, how did you initially connect with Megan and, you know, in terms of the, the trail orienteering initiative, if you could just go into a little, a little more detail about, you know, the, the origins of that and, and how that all kind of got started through C CRNA. Well, after, uh, the ski spectacular this past December, uh, I had several meetings with the Microsoft Soundscape uh, director Amos Miller, who is uh, totally blind, and he has a staff of Emily Green and Alex Fianaka, their lead engineer that was developing this. There is a public, readily available app for Soundscape currently that just has one destination that you can, in fact, upload into the program. And when the transition was made then to put multiple controls in, virtual controls uh, that are found with the app, 
and uh, going on a trail. We needed and, and really felt that we had to have quality partners to not only have a resource of those that are visually impaired and blind, but also assist in testing and research and outcomes assessments uh, to continue refinement, validation of the app, of the program, of the sport. Uh, because as I say, and, and as Megan uh, said so wonderfully just a second ago, this technology and format of the sports enables those with visual impairments and blindness to lead, to be independent, to actually complete the sport on their own. And and I just might add that you determine locating these virtual controls with different sounds, different frequencies. And when you're on the trail, when you're on the track, there's a very specific sound. When you get to the control, you hear the trumpet sound. When you've gotten all the controls and you get to the finish, there's a salutation. It talks to you. It gives you all sorts of feedback, locations, and descriptions that enable those uh, with visual impairments and blindness to do this sport pretty much independently. So we, we, we needed partners. We wanted to have partners. And Albany, the capital region of New York and the Mohawk Valley, uh, has two nationally recognized VI blind uh, agencies in Albany. It's the Northeastern Association for the Blind at Albany. And in Utica, New York, it's the Central Association for the Blind and Visually Impaired uh, located on Kent Street in Utica. Uh, and so uh, we approached both of these organizations, Michelle O'Hare uh, at NABA and Kathy Beaver, Mitch Henson at CAVI. And they both were have been and continue to be very supportive in hosting events, working, setting up virtual courses, both in Utica and in the uh, capital region, Albany, New York. And so NABA was one of them and, and a, a wonderful contact, uh, orientation and mobility um, instructor at NABA was Samantha Gartland. And Samantha and Sandy Fleming, who runs their youth program, uh, they contacted Megan and um, just heard a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of interest on her part as well as others. And um, we've run a number of events at a uh, landmark venue here in Albany, New York. It's Washington Park. It's home to the annual Tula Festival. Uh, an internationally renowned uh, tourist attraction. Albany's sister city is in Denmark, in the Netherlands, and we get we have had hundreds of thousands of tulips of many varieties. So we use Washington Park for short and long courses. And Megan, her affinity, her enthusiasm with this uh, has just been so very welcomed that. Uh, She's just been a stalwart in our progression to date where our next, as I said earlier, our next transition is to do continued and improved beta testing, both nationally and internationally. Um, so we have wonderful partners uh, that we're very grateful to have on board. And we're also uh, working with the Visor program in the Veterans Department of Veterans Affairs at the uh, medical centers. Here in Albany is one, and we've worked to uh, service others. So we're trying to incorporate veterans with visual impairments and blindness as well. Uh, CRNA is uh, modeled to really serve uh, veterans with a variety of disabilities. And as Megan said, 
you know, the visually impaired and blind population, from our perspective, no longer needs to sit on the sidelines. They can participate in the sport. They can participate independently and they can be accomplished in their achievements uh, in, in this developing Paralympic sport. Right. Very well said. And uh, so, Megan, going back to you, if you could just walk us through, you know, going through one of these courses in terms of orienteering and just the different sounds that you hear and, and how you kind of perceive all that as a visually impaired, you know, competitor. Sure. So, um, like Rose mentioned, there's like a trumpet sound when you get a control and um, to find which direction you're going in, do you have to follow a, a high-pitched um, tinkling noise? And if you're going in the wrong direction, it'll go, it'll make a low kind of beeping sound. And it, it, it periodically tells you, you know, you're 50 feet, you're 500 feet away, and you, then you'll know, okay, I'm going in the wrong direction. Uh, but you do, it is a very mobility-oriented sport because some of it is in the woods and off trails and stuff. Cane skills, guide dog skills are a must. Uh, I, I usually use the example of I've, I've lived near Albany for 19 years now, and I never knew that there was a pond in Washington Park until I was stopped because I almost went into it. But um, <laughs> that's, just, that's just because, you know, you're following that high-pitched noise, and it's not a straight line. You need to be able to veer away from that high-pitched noise so you can safely navigate around it. And, you know, it's also up to the blind person if they want to, you know, if they want to trudge right through that pond, you know, so I know some people might want to do that or others might say, you know, that's not safe and they'll go around and you'll have to go away from that high-pitched noise. And once you safely navigate around that pond, you know, then you'll look for that high-pitched noise again and continue on your way. And, you know, there's other things, like there was a hill that was a 45-degree angle with tree roots and tree branches and shrubs, and, you know, that that's where the high-pitched noise was, was up that hill. But, you know, a little bit to the left or right of it was a path, and, you know, you, I could take the path and have to veer away from the noise again. But it was a safer direction for me than some other people might have. Some other people might have just gone right through the woods again. <laughs> so it's all depending on the person, their mobility skills, um, how long have they been blind, how much vision do they have. You know, all, all, there's so many factors that play into it. Right, I see. And in terms of using, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, what she brings up is that uh, when we set up our courses and we have the Microsoft iPhone handy and the frames, uh, it's your orientation, your mobility skills, how you want to, how you want to get from control to control. Uh, obviously, safety is paramount in the sport, as as any endeavor that CRNA uh, does. And being a community-based multi-sport, we deal with orienteering and biathlon, which is shooting, and we do have visually impaired marksmanship. Uh, we have a number of sports, but um, safety is paramount, and what type of skill set you bring. Uh, the nice thing that we do have in our course development is easy, uh, medium, 
and complex. Uh, Megan has handled the very complex courses very well, as have most others. Uh, we have created other levels of courses within Washington Park because, again, it's all virtual. You don't see anything. Nothing is put up. Nothing is posted between the headsets and the the application, the soundscape application on the Apple iPhone. You hear it. You find it. And the descriptions that we do, the, the annotations that are in the program, really do help to guide you on the most uh, appropriate and safe path, which does, again, support and promote the independence, the self-sufficiency, the decision-making. As, as Megan described it, there's an element of problem-solving, decision-making, integration as to where the highest pitch sound is, how far is the control, and how can you stay on that path to capture that and get to that location. So um, I'll add to the classic concepts of what orienteering is uh, and how it has been applied to those with visual impairments and blindness. Sure, absolutely. And in terms of, you know, the, the competitive aspect of this sport, is it, you know, basically how fast that a competitor can complete the course? Is that pretty much the goal? It's interesting. We're doing our beta, beta testing and we're, we're fine-tuning the application to really be accurate, valid, precise. But when the people have been testing it, Greg, and giving us the feedback, their next comment is, okay, when are you going to have an event? When can I put on a bib and try to be as fast, efficient as I can in capturing the home? And I think that will be in the next round. We do hope to uh, have a, a uh, mechanism, a addition to the app that can indicate that you have found the controls keep, and they're already keeping time of it. But I think events and competition uh, would be in our next round because that's uh, the newfound empowerment, the independence, the competition that is in all of us, uh, we are tapping into. And, and that's exciting. And as I open my statement today, our goal is for this to be a Paralympic sport where athletes will need, need to qualify and represent their country at all certain levels. And, uh, you know, Nothing would make us more happy than to have Megan and others don the USA jersey and compete in uh, trail orienteering for the VI and blind. Not far off, we hope. Absolutely. Very well said. Uh, Megan, I'm curious in terms of using a white cane versus a guide dog. I know you kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, but uh, what has your experience been like You know, in, in terms of those two different approaches to this activity? A dog is trained to stay on a path. So me going off into the woods is kind of overriding him. And if, if you do that enough times, you know, that could undo the dog's training. Um, where the cane, you know, you can just go wherever you want. You know, you don't have to worry about undoing the cane's training because it doesn't have any training. It's just your training. <laughs> so that was something that I brought up to Russ was um, if somebody is a first-time guide dog user, they might be a little hesitant about overriding their dog, or, you know, they might be a 50th guide dog user, and, you know, they don't they don't want to override their dog. And to have a trail that's oriented to a path, um, so that way if somebody wants to compete and they have a guide dog, they can say, you know, I, I don't feel comfortable going through the woods. Then we have another trail already set up for them, and they can do that, and we have a 
trail if they, you know, if they want to go through with their dog, they can go through the regular trail with their dog or their cane or, you know, whatever. Um, I can't, I can't say that one's faster than the other just because it's all skill level and how often you've been doing, how often you've been using your mobility tool. Right. I see. Okay, and uh, I, I did want to ask both of you, uh, I guess we can start with you, Megan, just, you know, in, in terms of competing in sports and having opportunities like this, you know, what does it mean to you? How how rewarding is it? How much satisfaction do you get out of, of competition and, and sport? So when I do sports, whether it be uh, track and field or trail orienteering like this, I'm just very... I feel very excited and very happy to be able to do this because they're sports that most sighted people learn by the age of five. You know, a a sighted person knows how to throw a ball and, you know, a, a blind person, it might take them a bit longer. So to be able to do a sport and compete alongside somebody who's sighted and do the same thing with a few accommodations, you know, it's, it's really exciting for me and I, I get a thrill out of it, which is why I wanted to do adapted physical education because I wanted my students to have that thrill to be able to see that, you know, even though they're blind or in their, they're in a wheelchair or they have autism, they can do the same sports as their classmates with a few accommodations. Right. That's a great perspective. And then, Russ, I'm curious from your standpoint uh, and your role with CRNA, you know, how, how have you seen sports and physical activity impact the lives of individuals with disabilities? Well, I, another corollary experience from being a physical therapist is that I do classify for World Paranordic Scheme through International Paralympic Committee for cross-country and biathlon. And I accept assignments all over the world uh, to classify those with impairment-eligible uh, disabilities into uh, cross-country skiing and biathlon. And um, I have just had the opportunity to work with so many young individuals with disabilities, uh, whether it be in Brazil or China or Europe, Scandinavia, North America, that, as Megan stated, uh, are on the sidelines, aren't participating. I worked with a young gentleman from Poland with his club foot, uh, was dropped from his high school team, dropped from his club team. Um, his family gradually disowned him and through classifying him to participate in the Paralympics, there was a total reversal in his life and his acceptance and his inclusion in his community. And we've seen it countless times And with research showing that up to 70% of those with visual impairments and blindness not participating, sitting on the sidelines, um, listening and sensing what others accomplish in it, this initiative with Microsoft Soundscape, this initiative with partners such as NABA and CABV can start a reversal of that and really work for inclusion of so many more that will benefit from the joys of sport and being in a really welcoming, inclusive community. And that's what CRNA does in all its sports. Uh, that's what 
a lot of move united chapters strive for throughout the united states and uh what uh, international federations such as international blind sport association and uh international orienteering federation etc look to have these partnerships these relationships to include as many with disabilities as they can so it, it it's at the top of our calendar it's at the top of our list and it's something that we look to achieve each and every day very nice and uh, in terms of trail orienteering, uh, just to wrap up here, if, if a listener out there is interested in learning more about this sport, are there any any kind of resources online, any further information that uh, you know someone could find out there? Well, most certainly, um, Megan, <laughs> I am happy to give my contact information through CRNA and uh, both my cell number and my email. Uh, it is on our CRNA website. Uh, Microsoft Soundscape, a simple Google there, really gives you a good introduction to their publicly available app. But um, we do hope to expand this and to make it available to more uh, agencies and groups and individuals. Uh, we have been contacted through uh, individuals in, in, in the uh, mid-region of the country as well as northeast, mid-Atlantic. And uh, as our beta testing grows and our capacity increases we just look to serve more so as i say uh any way to contact me personally um is is just a great start and there's microsoft soundscape the other partner um happy to talk to people happy to see how we can create the course and get to them and try it just for instance this coming weekend we will be on long island at belmont lake state park uh, third eye insight there with Devin Fernandez. Uh, we're going to do another test there. So uh, we travel. Uh, the business model that CRNA has is on-site program development. So we're it, it's something that we're very comfortable with. It's something that we do and uh, something that, that we will entertain seriously with all requests. Nice. And I can certainly include links to, uh, you know, the, the resources that you mentioned in terms of the CRNA uh, site and, and Microsoft Soundscape on uh, the show notes for this episode. Please do. Yes. Absolutely. Alrighty. Well, uh, Russ Meyer and Megan Hale, I want to thank both of you for joining us here on the Eyes Free Sports podcast. Really appreciate the time. I absolutely love everything you guys are doing to further... Uh, the sport of trail orienteering and, and just adaptive sports in general. Uh, so thank you both so much. Thank you for having me. You're welcome and most certainly thank you for the very kind invitation. Be sure to follow the Eyes Free Sports podcast at facebook.com slash eyesfreesports and on Twitter at eyesfreesports.com.